All right, folks, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and what we're doing is, is we're going through the Gospel of John on our Sunday morning time, and we're into the third section of John, which is a pretty intimate section where Jesus is preparing his disciples for the reality in just a few short hours. He's going to be taken, he's going to be accused, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be crucified. And what they have known before is going to change. That is, they have been with Jesus, they've seen him do exciting things, and now he's gone. He's, and he's, he's been telling them, I'm going to leave. And so he's been trying to prepare them. And, and so when we've looked through chapter 13, and we're going all the way up to chapter 17 in this section, it's probably, in what is a few short hours, a bulk of teaching to help you and I know how to live right now as followers of Jesus while we wait for him. Now, that's what's hard. Because, I mean, think about it. If Jesus is with you, you can do whatever, right? You can face whatever. I, I remember as a kid growing up, I, I was the oldest of three kids. So it was myself, I'm the oldest, my brother, Gary, who is 11 and a half months younger than I am, and then my sister, Patricia. She's six years younger than me. So we grew up, and we grew up in that neighborhood in Columbia, South Carolina. And because my brother and I, mom, when we were young, she dressed us alike, so we looked like twins, but we were definitely, definitely different. There's only two weeks out of the year he, my brother could say he was the same age as me. And I remember him calling and telling me, I'm the same age as you, even up to the time he died. I'm the same age as you during those two weeks. But I remember when we were growing up, my brother, because I was bigger at that time, I was thinner, but bigger than him, he would pick fights with, with guys on the bus. And he wouldn't talk to me about it, but he would pick fights. And, and the reason why he would pick those fights is because he figured... I don't need to worry about it. My brother George will take care of it. Which sometimes I did. And a few times I'm like, you're on your own, buddy. So when, when you have somebody who, who you think is going to take care of things, you could do whatever, right? You could face whatever. And if Jesus were here, we could do whatever, right? We could face whatever. We got the master with us who could speak the word and it will happen, right? But he's not here. Now, we believe him. His spirit lives within us. We, we want to live for him. But we struggle because it seems like we're what? Alone, right? And that's what we struggle with. I told you that's one of the biggest fears we have is being alone. And that haunts us. And, and to be honest with you folks, we were created to be social people, not to be alone. We need each other in some way. You need someone else. That's because that's how you were made. And when you are going through it, and especially when the world is crumbling around you and difficulties and problems arise, and especially if somebody's not happy with you, you really feel alone. And Jesus is trying to prepare them for the reality that they're not alone. 
In fact, that's what he's been spending his time doing. In fact, I want to talk about our present situation, first of all. Before we look at two verses from chapter 15, I want to talk about what he's already discussed so far in chapters 13, 14, and 15. There's three things that we need to see. First of all, Jesus is away. Now, in these chapters, he's telling them he's going away, but you and I know he's away, right? He was, what, crucified, buried, rose from the dead. A few weeks later, he rises to go to be with the Father and seated at the right hand. And remember the disciples are told, just as he leaves, he'll come back. So he's going away, and we know that he's away. So Jesus is away. So here we are. We're trying to live life right now. We believe in Christ. We do have the Spirit within us, but Jesus is away. That's the reality. Here's the second thing that we see here. We are to support each other by loving each other. So this is the thing he's been telling. He says, guys, I'm going away, but I'm going to give you a new commandment. And remember now, he's mentioned the same commandment three times. If you're told to do something three times, do you think you're supposed to do that? Do, do, do you think it's important for you to pay attention if you're told something three times over? So in chapter 13, he mentions it. He's mentioned it twice in chapter 15. What does he mention? Well, here it is. Love one another. Okay? Love one another as I have loved you. A new commandment. Now, this isn't an option. When he says it's a commandment, is it an option? You know, so it's like when I, when I tell my kids, I want you to do this. And I, and I reiterate it three times. It, it's not if you feel like it. No, that, that doesn't cut water, does it? I mean, it's like, no, you're supposed to do this. And so Jesus is not saying, if you feel like it, love one another. A new commandment I give you. He's, he's telling you, I'm going away. And so you're going to need each other. So love one another. And again, it's not this kissy, kissy face thing. I love you. No, no. It's love in action, being there for each other, okay? Here's the third thing. Why? He mentioned this earlier. We saw this the last time we were together. We will be rejected by the world as Jesus was rejected. We're going to be rejected. People are not going to be happy with your faith, period. If you have not realized that, please, I'm, I'm encouraging you, you will save yourself a lot of grief if you would just wake up to the reality that not everybody's happy about your faith. Not everybody's happy about your Jesus. And that's the way it has always been. He told them, guys, they're going to persecute you because they persecuted me. The servant is not better than the master. And if they persecuted the master, they're going to persecute who? The servant. And, and, and I think we need to begin to realize that, yes, we can do great things. We're told to do great things. We're told to help people. We're told to serve, to serve our communities and do those things. Yes, but here's the thing. That's not going to change attitudes. Why? Because it's a heart issue. Their rejection of God is because they don't want God. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? And you just happen to represent him. So they don't want you. Not because they don't like you. 
They don't like what you represent. So that's the present situation. And you're like, okay, yeah, but you know what, George? Okay, he's away. And I understand we're supposed to love each other. And yes, the world is definitely like that. And you're telling me I'm not supposed to feel alone? Yeah, I'm telling you, don't feel alone. You're not alone. Because there's something else he's going to tell you. He's going to tell you that he's made one more provision. He's already mentioned it a few times already in John 13, 14, and now we're into 15. He's already mentioned to you that he's going to give you something that you will need to understand so that you grasp the reality that you are never alone. You're never alone. Do, do you hear me? You could be going on a road trip by yourself. So, okay, so in a, in a, in a few weeks here, I'm, you know, we're, we're talking about when Sawyer graduates from his A training with the Navy down in Goose Creek, South Carolina. I thought, well, you know, I could go down and get him because I'm from South Carolina. I can make a stop here or there and visit some relatives or something and pick him up. And I'm thinking, at that point, I was thinking I would just make that trip by myself. But I'm not by myself. I'm never by myself. Why? Because of what he's going to tell me now. You are never alone. Well, what's he going to tell me? Well, let's look at what it says here. Look with me at verse 26. It'll be up on the screen if you want to look at it on the screen. If you don't want to look at your Bible, here's what he says. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You're not alone. Why? You have a helper. You have a comforter. All of those words are used to, in the Greek language, the language in which this text was written, it's a parakletos. Now, we don't have a, an equivalent word for that in our English. So some translations... King James, I use the new King James, will say helper, or the old King James would say comforter. Some translations will translate it counselor. What does it mean? Parakletos, in its actual meaning, means someone who comes alongside. So, for instance, I want you to picture it. Do you remember when your kids were learning to ride a bike? Do you remember when they were learning to ride a bike, you had training wheels on, or when you took those training wheels off? Did you just say to them, hey, get on the bike and drive down the road, you'll do okay? Is that what you did? That's not what I did. I was right there. The training wheels were off, but I was running right with them. Why? To make sure that they weren't going to fall over until they could get their legs under them to be able to ride that bike. Didn't you do that? We have video of me doing that. And them still wiping out. And you do too, right? Someone who comes alongside. This is what he's wanting you to understand. You are not alone because when the helper, the one who comes alongside, comes. He's talking about right now, folks. You are not alone. 
Yes, Jesus is away, and we wish he were here with us, right? We wish that he could just show up in the midst of our problem and take care of it and set everything right. We wish that that would take place. I haven't found somebody yet that just doesn't want Jesus to show up and take care of it all, right? But he's not here yet. He's not. He's coming, but he's not here. And, and, and so what does he say? He said, love one another. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, but what about if so-and-so has a bad hair day? It's hard to love somebody with a bad hair day, right? Yeah, but I still, I'm still in this world that's, that's not happy with me because of who I follow. Is this it? No. He, he says, it's not it. You have somebody with you always. That's the helper. So that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time. And we're going to focus on five things that he tells us from these two verses. Five things about the helper that you and I need to grasp. So here it is. Here's the first one. From his perspective of telling them, he's telling them something that's going to take place in the future. But for you and I, it's already taking place. Okay, so here it is. Look with me. Verse 26. He says, but when the helper comes, when the helper comes, here's the reality. The helper has come for us. So here's what I want you to see. The followers of Jesus have another comforter or helper. You already have them. That's reality. Now, all right, so I wrote that down. Big deal, George, I already know that. No, 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 you need to grasp it. Why do you need to grasp it? Okay, because here's the thing. We already talked about this earlier. Life happens. Life happens. And, and, and stuff just comes out of nowhere. So you know what? The other day, I, it was uh, Rob and I were delivering our Project Grace packages, and he was riding along with me and the Buick that I'm driving, and we're enjoying that nice, cool air conditioner. And, and uh, so I said, okay, Rob, I'll take you back to your truck, and then I'm going to head over to Sheets. And uh, so as we're riding along, I'm starting to smell something, and it's not Rob. It's coming out of the vents. And... Uh, He's my friend. Uh, so he gets out. I said, all right, I'll, I'll see over at Sheets. He gets his vehicle. And so I head over to Sheets, and it's still coming through the vents. And I'm like, what is this smell coming through the vents? I'm like, man, something must be really bad outside for it to be coming through the vents. And so we pulled in the Sheets, and, and I look up, and under the hood, there's white smoke coming out from under the hood. White smoke coming out from under the hood. What is going on? I'm hopping out. I'm popping the hood. I'm like, is there, am I burning up the engine? Is there something wrong with the oil? I'm looking down at the serpentine belt. That's where the smoke's coming from. And what is going on? And here I realized the air conditioner quit. The compressor froze up on that Buick. And so now I no longer have that nice cold air. And it's all because Rob got out of my vehicle. That's why I know my compressor died. Rob got out. No, it had, Rob had nothing to do with it. It just died. And then I died when the mechanic told me it's going to be $1,000 to replace that <laughs> compressor. That's life, right? Did I wake up that morning and say, okay, Lord, another day. Thanks for the compressor that's going to die today. You don't know when stuff happens. Stuff happens. Now, here's what happens. That's just something I can't say that I'm asking where God is in the midst of that. 
But other stuff happens and you begin to feel what? Alone. And you question, where are you, God? Why is this happening to me? Where are you? I'm telling you, listen to me, folks. Here's the reality of what Jesus is saying to us in verse 26. When the Comforter has come, the reality is for you and I, he has come. You are not alone. And that question is a wrong question. That right there, you, in the midst of whatever you're going through, you're not facing it alone. You're facing it with who? God, through the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's with you. You have another helper. You have another comforter. You have another counselor. Whatever word you want to choose, you have someone who comes alongside of you who will be there with you through what you're going through. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father. Here's what I want you to see. The helper was sent to us by the Heavenly Father. You want to know how God sees you? Because I, I recognize this. You know, I've been pastoring a long time and I interact with people and, and one of the biggest struggles that Christians have is how God sees them. That's one of the biggest struggles and what they do is, is they see themselves, when they look in the mirror, they see the regrets and the shame of whatever happened years ago and they think that God sees them the same way. But the reality is, is he doesn't. Because when he sees you, he sees what his son did on the cross, not what you did. Because you could never do enough for his love, right? You could never do enough for his acceptance. He sees you based upon what Jesus did. And so because of his love for you, he doesn't want you alone. So guess what? He sends the Spirit of God to you so that you are never alone. He is always with you. So even when you think he's not there, he is. He is. God is with you. Isn't that interesting? As I'm thinking about that, isn't that the name that was prophesied concerning Jesus' birth? God is with us about Jesus? Yeah. He's with us. He's with us. Here's the other thing. He tells us in the same verse, this helper is the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is within you. He's with you when you are going about your daily lives. When you are facing the things that you're facing, when you're struggling with whatever the decisions are that are going on, when you are struggling with whatever the difficulty or the temptations that you face, he's with you even when you fail, he doesn't leave you. He's with you, the Spirit of God. You're not alone. And he's trying to communicate that to them. So what is this Spirit supposed to do? So this is where it goes on. Okay, so remember, 
he pointed out earlier that the world will reject us because it rejects him. And the reason why it rejects him is because it's ignorant of him. So he wants to alleviate some stress from your life by telling them something. And I hope this will alleviate some stress from your life. What do you mean? Well, you know, in our circle of churches, we, we're very big at pointing out to you that you need to share your faith, right? We call it evangelism. You need to share your faith. And so I, I remember when I, even when I was a young boy, I, went, I got on a, in South Carolina, I got on a, on a bus and went to, to this Baptist church over in uh, the northeast part of Richland County there. And we'd go and you'd hear, you know, the, about the gospel and then, the, then you need to share the gospel and so forth. And, and evangelism always stressed, and it's about you, you sharing. And if you don't share, people are going to hell. It's you need to share. So have you been in that kind of situation where you've had that put on you? And here's what happens. You then begin to think, well, I need to share. And if I don't share, there's something wrong with me. Well, here's what I found through life, that I share an awful lot, but a lot of them don't believe. And here's how I kept myself from going crazy. Verse 26. Here's what it says. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send from you, send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. It's not me. I can't convince anybody of anything. I've, I've joked with you before that sometimes, you know, when all the kids were home and were trying to make a decision and, and, and dad would say, well, we need, I would say, well, we need to do this. My family, I don't know who started it, but it became the thing now. It's all about you, George. All, but that's not what we want to do. It's all about you, right? No, okay, we'll do what you guys want to do. I can't convince even my own family sometimes about what they should do. So how do I think that I'm going to convince everybody about Jesus? I'm not. Well, you're not supposed to. The convincing part is who? The Spirit of God. In fact, we're going to read that when we get into John chapter 16. It says he convicts the world. The word convict there also means convinces. He is the one who convinces of sin. Not you. So here's the point I want you to see. The Holy Spirit will testify about the reality of Jesus to the world. The reason why they don't see it is because they don't see it. The reason why they don't understand is because they don't understand. And the way that they understand is not because you share it the right way. It's because somebody opens their eyes to the reality. And who's that? The Spirit of God. And that will relieve you from the stress as you live your life. But that doesn't completely leave you of the responsibility. What do you mean? Well, look at me at verse 27. Here's what he says. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. What's he saying here? We are also to testify since Jesus is real to us. I haven't left you alone, but you, you know that the Spirit is the one who convinces and the Spirit is the one who convicts, but 
you also are going to testify. He says to the disciples, you've been with me, so you know me. You, you know the reality of me, and so you testify. Hey, you know the reality of Christ in your life. Why? The answered prayer, the forgiveness of sins, the reality of Christ in your life on a daily basis. And so you share with others. But who is the one who convinces? The Spirit of God. You say, okay, George, where do we go with this? All right, well, let's get back. What is the whole reason why this section is in here? Jesus is wanting them to learn how to live life now. He's told them, I'm going away. And we all agree he's away, right? Okay. I'm going away. So therefore, be there for each other. And let's be honest. This is what church needs to be. It's, it, it is more than a worship service, right? It, it needs to be that as you live your life out and as you live the faith that you have out in this world, not everybody's going to be happy with that. You need to have at least some place that you can go to where people are facing the same things that you're facing. They believe the same things you believe in the same God who lives within them as that lives within you, that you could come together and what? Encourage each other. Strengthen each other. Because the reality is, is when you're out there living a faith on your own, you are feeling alone, right? But you need each other. So therefore, he says what? A new commandment I give unto you, that you what? Love one another. Because why? It's a rough place out there. It's a rough place out there. And they're not going to accept what you believe. But here, here's the thing. Here's what he says. But I've sent a helper. I've sent somebody to be with you always. Because look, here, in a, in a few short minutes we're going to end. We're going to close in prayer. We may talk to each other for a few moments. But then we're going to get in our cars and we're going to head where we're going. And some of us, we're not going to see each other for a whole week, Right? But that's not true with the Spirit, right? Because as soon as you leave here, He's still with you. And He knows what it is that you're facing. He knows what your struggles are. He knows the things that you wrestle with Him in prayer about. The Spirit of God is within you. You're not alone. Let me pray for you.